We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Brendan Nunez from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse podcast. Brendan, what's going on? Not too much, James. Uh, definitely a busy time of year for us in a time that I don't know I expected to be that busy, but I guess I should know better. You, you would should, know better. You should have <laughs> known better. Um, okay, so like, look, the podcast is late, and uh, well, uh, full transparency, I've been waiting all day for a re- refrigerator repairman to show up at my house to fix my refrigerator which broke last week um he showed up but two hours late from his 12 to 4 window and of course i can't start a pod when i've got to be here for a guy for a 12 to 4 window and then have him show up in the middle of it um, fridge repairman did not want to make a guest appearance no no uh, i was hoping he would have made an appearance hours ago also uh we should probably uh explain uh that sean is not here with us right now um we sean had a, a busy first day yesterday on monday uh for fox 40 and then um after he got off last night sean and i actually uh recorded a, a 30 minute segment for the podcast today uh, which we're gonna play much later in the podcast we're we're gonna sort of come back to that later but i think it's really really valuable to have sean's take and his opinion on what is happening with the coaching search. Um, but we're going to tuck it at the end of the pod. So Brendan and I are going to run here for a while talking about the podcast, uh, talking about the coaching search. Um, then we're going to shift gears. We're going to let, uh, that video sort of end the podcast. Um, so Brendan, um, I guess we should probably get the other stuff out of the way. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Uh, that would help us. Uh, leave comments. The comments have been great. I've been having a good time with the comments. 
Um, you know, there, there are some strange things that are said on occasion that I want to respond to. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I, I enjoy reading the comments also, um, jump on board with the Kings beat premium subscription. Uh, you will get the invite to the happy hour. We're going to lock down some content. Um, and on top of that, we have the Kings beat, uh, merchandise shop and uh, the promo code for 15% off the Kings Beat merchandise shop right now is KBPOD saves you 15% K, uh, KB pod. Um, and so if you want to save 15%, there's also a link down below in the description in the YouTube channel. And a uh, big shout out to everybody on the YouTube channel who's been uh, like coming on board and like our show is growing, which is amazing, especially during the off season. Um, the audio files have always done really, really well, but the, the actual YouTube, we started, I think in the 16th episode and, uh, they're like, we're doing really good here and, and thank you for tuning in and listening and all that stuff. Um, so Brendan, this is your first go around. Uh, let's start there. Um, we won't call this the business of basketball. Um, but we will call this like, like this is Brendan's first go. How much are you taking in? How much are you learning from this process of watching uh, King's head coach search? Uh, well, I guess never to count something out. I thought I learned that when they picked Davion Mitchell. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one list on the name that I probably least expected to like actually get consideration um, ends up moving on to the second round, which yeah, I, I, it, you know, I've maybe unfairly surrounded too much of this conversation around like Mark, um, Mark Jackson, but that's what this a lot of this coaching process has felt like to me. To be honest, there's been a lot of discourse around Mark Jackson, and it's not the most fun conversation to have. Um, but it is really interesting to research a lot of these different candidates um, outside of Jackson, obviously as well. Um, there's so much that you can find on a lot of these different guys, even the ones that didn't have prior coaching experience. Random connections are always fun um, and kind of fun to make too big of a deal about sometimes. Like Mike Brown, uh, Kevin Johnson was the trainer when he was in Washington for two years. Kevin Johnson, current mayor of Sacramento. The former mayor of Sacramento? Former, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh really? There's a Kevin Johnson, Mike Brown. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, Kevin Johnson <laughs> spent. He was drafted by the Cavs, um, and which is you know of course where Mike Brown spent most most of his career. He was drafted by the Cavs and traded to the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah, many many yeah. many many moons ago. Uh, <laughs> random, like when I was super young, Kevin Johnson was signing autographs. I think I went to a baseball card show at. Um, I think it was Sakai. I went to one at Kennedy and one at Sakai. The one at Kennedy, I believe that's where Greg Vaughn was signing autographs. And then um, and then Kevin Johnson was signing autographs. So I actually have a couple of cool, crazy old Kevin Johnson autographs. So I have one of the original hoops basketball cards, uh, like the, the loop with the white top border that's autographed. And I also have... Older uh, than me, probably. Yes, the back of a Beckett. Uh, Beckett magazine, one of the first Beckett's, um, and on the back cover was Magic Johnson and Kevin Johnson, uh, like going at each other, uh, and Kevin Johnson signed that, which is just a KJ, 
and I, I know KJ. Like I like I did small market big hard. I've I've met KJ a million times and um, interesting dude. Uh, that that's a story for another day. <laughs> probably more like King's Beat uh, virtual happy hour story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, James. I don't know if I hear yet the segment with uh, Sean that'll go at the, a later portion of this pod. Did you already do a business of basketball? We did not do a business of basketball. So maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll run that. uh, We'll run the Sean interview. We'll finish with the business of basketball and then kind of close out the show. So that makes sense. I have one. I have a business of basketball. Oh yeah. Brandon coming hard with the the business of basketball. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, okay. So let's just for, we'll break it down for those who have not been following this, which is consumed most of my life for the last like, I don't know, 72 hours, maybe a little bit more at this point. Um, Saturday, uh, I got a heads up that um, a list would be dropping. Um, And so I was anxiously awaiting that list. Uh, When it hit three names, I think we all sat around waiting for more names to to be added. Um, I was quickly able to confirm Mark Jackson would be a candidate for the Sacramento Kings coaching job. Um, and then of course we had the Mike Brown, Steve Clifford, uh, announcement, which came, I think through, oh, was that through Shams? Um, Woj had one, Shams had, uh, well, one of them had one and one of them had two. Um, but then we all waited thinking that that could not possibly be the entire list. Uh, you know, guys like Will Hardy, guys, um, like Darvin Ham and Charles Lee, and of course, Mike D'Antoni were not on that list, but um, I got a secondary phone call and it confirmed that the list was just three pe- three people. Um, there is potential, like very, very vague and way out pie in the sky potential for something else to happen here, but I don't think so. Uh, Sean and I discussed that uh, later in the podcast. I know Woj dropped it. Um, that there was always, if this doesn't work out, there might be another round of whatever with the Kings. Um, that would be very Kingsy, to be honest. That would be, Brandon, that would kind of be a nightmare. It, Yeah, it definitely would be. Um, like I said, at this point, where would you I don't, start? I don't know what like, unexpected, yeah, I don't, I don't know how shocked I can be. I don't know. We'll see. And for what it's worth, Shams was the one that just tweeted Mark Jackson. And Woj tweeted Mike Brown and Cl- Steve Clifford. And uh, okay. Shams has been the only one to mention Jackson both times. Okay. He was the one that initially mentioned. I, Woj did, like, confirm that there were more people outside of the first four that he reported of. It was Hardy, Ham, um, Brown, and Clifford. And then Shams was the one that added on Clifford, or um, Dan Tony and Jackson. Yeah. And, yeah, each time Mark Jackson's name has come up, it's been through Shams. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and it's usually uh, Shams with Sam Amick. And uh, Sam Amick is a friend of the show. Um, he was on one of the first pods. We'll have Sam on next week. Um, he's traveling. I actually touched base with him and said, hey, do you want to jump on? Um, he he wrote a couple of words about this uh, yesterday and some interesting stuff. Uh, so, like, to kind of catch everybody up. So, we got to the point where this thing was um, – we knew what was happening on Saturday as far as like who the list was. Uh, I asked some, some pointed questions when I was given the information about why this list, uh, it was very clear. They were looking for a veteran leader 
who has a um, a defensive acumen. That was what they're looking for. Um, and that, I mean, it's understandable. So like Mike D'Antoni w- uh, was clearly out because Mike D'Antoni is a great offensive mind, but um, not really known for his defense. We did go through that last week. He did have one defense that was ranked like number six uh, in the NBA, which was really good. Like the, the second rated offense, the six rated defense. Um, and his style is fairly similar to Alvin Gentry. Yeah, switch, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and offensively, a, super high-paced. Yeah, super high. Well, it's a seven seconds or less. Right. Yeah. It always reminds me, every time I think of that, have you ever seen uh, There's Something About Mary? I have not. You've never seen, oh, Jesus, Brendan, There's Something About Mary. Uh, put it on your list. It's one that I, I think in the movie theater, I saw it three times. I don't typically go back to the movie theater multiple times to see a movie. But every single you sure? time, you strike uh, me as someone who would. No, like every single time, like you almost wet yourself. It's so funny. <laughs> like you come away with like, I mean, so many like, it's before really memes. So like, so many one-liners that ah, it's just like it's incredible. Uh, called, there's there's someone called Mary. There's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. Got you don't it. even know what this is. I'm writing it down. Oh my it as goodness. A good side. Oh, no. He doesn't even know there's something about Mary. And now I've even forgotten why I was going down the path of there's something, something about Something with Mary. Alvin Gentry and D'Antoni, seven seconds or less. Oh, the seven seconds You or wet less. yourself so, in seven seconds watching yeah, the movie. Yeah, no. So, um, <laughs> so Ben Stiller is driving down to Florida where Cameron Diaz, who is Mary, now lives. And he ends up picking up a hitchhiker. And the guy has uh, an idea, so... Um, have you ever seen eight, eight minute abs? Like the, there, there's a whole video called eight minute abs. So I I don't know if I've seen the exact video you're talking about. Okay. So there used to be like infomercials for eight minute abs. So the guy who gets in the car, uh, he's got this brilliant idea and his brilliant idea is seven, seven minute abs. (laughs) And so, um, Ben Stiller goes, well, you know, well, what happens if someone comes out with like six minute abs Yeah, and, and the guy starts to freak out and like go, go bonkers. And he, to be honest, they, they pull over a rest stop. Um, ben Stiller is trying to get the guy, like get rid of the guy. Cause he's getting weirder and weirder. It ends up that his, his duffel bag in the back of the seat of the car has like uh, a bunch of human heads and he's a mass murderer. Um, anyway, every time I hear Mike, Mike Antonis, seven seconds or less. I, I always think, well, why can't it be six? Why can't it be yeah. six seconds or less? And and so that's where I was going with. There's something about Mary and Brendan. You actually should probably. It should be really, really high on your list. I mean, have you seen like old school? Yes. Okay, so you've seen like that type of movie. Yeah. Um, it's one of the beginnings of one of those, and it's it's off the charts, off the charts. Hilarious. Got you. The beginning of that story i did not know it was that type of movie so big yeah. change up for me at the end there yeah yeah so <laughs> um yeah so anyway like d'antoni is a really interesting dude right and i would have loved to have covered him and i i think it would have been brilliant but at the same time he does not really coach defense like these other guys and these other guys all have incredible track records even mark jackson who like everyone thinks that I hate Mark Jackson with a passion. I don't hate Mark Jackson. 
Um, I just want someone in. I want the Sacramento Kings to succeed, and I think hiring someone who has three years total of coaching experience and has a coach in the league in eight years is probably not the the safest bet. Um, anyway, um, you know, like all of these guys, Mark Jackson, I think, what was it, like 27th to like ninth to like third. That's what he did with the with the uh, Golden State Warriors. He improved their defense dramatically. Steve Clifford is known as a defensive guru who learned under the, the Van Gundy brothers um, who are brilliant, brilliant defensive-minded coaches. And then, uh, of course, Mike Brown, who has always been a defensive-minded guy at all, as well and has been credited with some of the improvements in the, the Golden State Warriors specifically this year. Um, so, like... It's a defensive-minded coaching group, and, like, uh, very specifically, I, I was told, like, you know, DM Tony is a great coach, and we just think that he's not right because of the defensive stuff. And the young guys, um, they all have great potential, but the fact is we don't have a track record for any of them, so we don't really know. Um, but Brendan, well, the coach— we, yeah, yeah, go can ahead. Can we touch on that last part? Like— yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess the Kings are in a position where they can't get it wrong, right? That's what we've been well, saying. Well, sure they can. They're the Sacramento Kings, Brendan. They, they can. You're very right about that. You're they can't right. get it wrong? They absolutely can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can is the wrong word. Um, yeah, they are. They really shouldn't get it wrong. They really, really shouldn't. They need James. to get it right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, what do you make of that logic? And that's the reason that you go away from the young guys because there are young coaches that we've seen um, not work out in the league. Like, I understand the risk involved, but if you did get a home run swing on one of these coaches, like, more often than not, like, while you know what you're getting from these other guys, and, and maybe they just click better than they did in other places, Mike Brown's situation, if he were to be. Um, the Kings head coach is very, very different than any of the other rosters he's worked with, maybe outside of that last year that he spent in Cleveland. Um, so I, maybe it would work differently, but do you think that it's a situation where maybe the Kings should have been willing to take a risk like that or just can't right now? Well, I would have. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I would have taken a risk if I were the guy running this search. I, I totally would have. But I understand why somebody else wouldn't. You know, um, the Kings have an issue here. It's that, you know, like Monty and Wes aren't under long-term deals. And, like, they have to make decisions for now. And and so, I mean, that's that's never a good place to start. And uh, and it's something this that should have, been, it should have been rectified. And we've seen this, we've seen this movie before, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, they've, they've got to figure this thing out because – if you're going to hire a head coach and give him a four-year deal, then Wes and Monty need three-year extensions to go with that. I mean, that's that's the way it goes. That's that's the way it should go. Um, you need to give these guys the uh, the sort of the runway here to see this thing through. And you can fire everybody in two years like you do every other time if that's what you want to do. But you at least have to start with the premise of they're all going to be here the same amount of time. And as of right now, that's not the case. And then, of course, like, it's not, like, this is so drama-filled, right? 
so much. So drama filled. It feels like every day is something new and, and, and exciting and ridiculously stupid. And so I literally we, sent a text earlier today that said, I want to cover basketball, not drama. I don't know what is happening right now. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the most interesting bad basketball team there ever was, Brendan. You don't want to cover a, just a bad basketball team, a boring basketball team. You don't want to cover that. You want to cover something that's chaotic. And, and because if they're going to be bad, at least be exciting and bad, at least do stupid things all the time that, like, make us have something to write about. And so, like... I, I'll just like I'll set the stage like today. Um, so so we know that uh, on Sunday and Monday, Steve Clifford came through for a um, like I've got this confirmed. He he came through for a meeting with the Kings. Uh, Mark Jackson came through on today on Tuesday and will like Tuesday and Wednesday. I believe plans on being around, but I'm not totally sure on his timing. And then the Golden State Warriors are in Memphis on Wednesday night. They play the Grizzlies for game three of the second round playoff series. And when he gets back to uh, to San Francisco on Thursday, uh, there's a plan for him to come in Thursday, Friday. It could be partially in Sacramento, partially in San Francisco. He's still prepping. He's in the middle of the playoffs. You're going to give him some leeway. Um I went down today. I had I had a meeting with someone down uh, by the arena, and uh, just to tell people like the surrealness, I have this knack for being in the right place at the right time. Right. So like years ago, I wrote this crazy story when me and my wife went out to dinner. Uh, one of the nights where uh, they were deciding the fate of the Kings in Sacramento, Clay Bennett was in town. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder owner, who was part of the relocation committee. Um, the NBA, all of them were in town. And of course, Kevin Johnson's in town. I go to a restaurant, Ella in downtown Sacramento, which is spectacular. And, uh, they sit us in the middle of the the restaurant. And on one side of us is Kevin Johnson and all his people. And on the other side is Clay Bennett and all his people. And they literally both stop at my table on the way through because I'm covering the whole thing. And like we have, I, I literally had conversations with both of them, um, as the fate of the Kings are, is being decided, as they're vetting everything in Sacramento for whether or not all the like sponsorship money and all that stuff is real. So the real insider information here is make friends with all the hosts and hostesses and keep, have them keep you informed. I'll tell you this: like we were going <laughs> out to dinner that night. We had we had plans to go out to dinner, me and the wife. Um, which I, yeah, at that point we had. We had a little one, so we had to get a babysitter. So we already had plans to go out to dinner. And it was like, huh, I wonder where they would go. Like, we're probably not going to guess the restaurant there where they would be. Um, but, you know, there are only so many, like, four-slash-five-star restaurants in Sacramento. So we chose Ella, and sure enough, that's where everyone is. Like, everyone. It was, like, surreal. Have Kevin Johnson sit, uh, like, hang out at our table and have a, a few minutes and, like like be kind of a, a smart ass and a, um, because we, me and Kevin had some moments here and there. Um, and then Clay Bennett like stops by and he's like a Southern gentleman and was like totally intriguing. And, um, and like, there's something about Clay Bennett that people miss, like the whole gold, uh, the whole Sonic thing is horrible. And I don't like the way that it played out and, and all that stuff. But, um, at the same time, like, like Clay Bennett is a superhero. He's a hall of famer. He's one of the greatest, names ever in Oklahoma like like he is because of what he did I mean he 
landed them a basketball team, you know, and Oklahoma is in a state that has like, they have a long history of guys like Jim Thorpe and Mickey Mantle and uh, Johnny Bench, but like Oklahoma isn't like a hotbed for like success. And Clay Bennett is a success story who brought them their, their guy. So anyway, he's, he is a hero there. And like people in Seattle think he's the worst human being ever. People in Oklahoma revere him. Like he will be in the sports hall of fame in Oklahoma. There will be statues of Clay Bennett outside of their arena. All of those things like, right. Yeah. And buddy Heald will have a statue somewhere in Oklahoma. It's that's right. Perfect. Perfect. And so Brendan is still wondering where I'm going with this tangent. So I go down today and I'm having coffee and I look outside the window and there's Monty and Wes waiting for Mark Jackson to show up. And I'm like, oh, well, look, there's Monty and Wes. That's interesting. Anyway, I go to leave a little bit later and I'm walking down by Sauce and I look over. This is one of those, like, again, um, my old partner, John Santiago, uh, my old partner at, at Cowbell, used to call me like the Forrest Gump of the Sacramento Kings. Like, I just happen to show up when weird things happen. I'm walking down towards Sauce. And I look over and Wes is sitting there on the phone. So I give him like the, hey, peace sign. What's up, man? How are you? He's on the phone. I'm not going not to bug him. I look ahead and I swear I see DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm like, what the? So There's I'm not walking. very many 6'10 guys walking around. Six, Yes. yeah. So I'm, I'm down almost to the doco sign and someone calls my name. I look over and it's Leo Bies who I, of course, have sold Cowbell Kingdom two years ago. Um, I apologize to everyone. Um, I, I, I look over, and there's Leo. And Leo goes, James Ham, And I'm like, what's up, Leo? He goes, did I just see DeMarcus Cousins? And I'm like, probably. He's here. I'm like, did he go in Starbucks? He goes, I think he did. So I go into Starbucks, and there's this line of people, and I walk by, and I just like, What's a big boy? Anyway, uh, Demarcus still to this day. I, I like get it. This is like my random Tuesday before I started waiting for the repairman to show up at my house. Um, so I like get a big hug from Demarcus, and we sit there and talk for a few minutes. And and uh, him and Leo don't like each other. I said, Hey, Leo Bees is outside. Uh, I, I said, You want to go out there and like mess with him? And he's like, No, no. Leo can live another day. And I'm like, All right, sweet. So. Um, <laughs> But this is a randomness of our day, and we'll mix all of this together. Like, on top of all of this craziness that I'm part of downtown, like, Joe Dumars walks away from the team. And now we have that story. We have the story of Mark Jackson is Vivek Ranadive's guy, and and Mike Brown is, is Monty McNair's guy, and we've had this epic battle. Like, will they just, like each of them lose and, and take Steve Clifford. I mean, like, what are Doug we Doug Christie's coach. Yeah. Screw it. Uh, forget it, Doug. Yeah. You're, you're, it's you, Doug. You're already here. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've had plenty of conversations with Doug as well, who is still in limbo, has no idea what's going on with the assistant coaching search. Uh, but let's get to let's get to that right there. Let's get to the Joe Dumars thing. Have you ever met Joe Dumars? No. I saw him sitting in a corner at one practice this year. And I had to, like, verify. I'm like, guys, that's Joe Dumars over there, right? Well, first of all, nobody puts Joe Dumars in the corner. Um, <laughs> I probably and, asked multiple people, um, what is his, like, title, by the way? I don't think I got an answer. I think Shams' tweet of uh, 
what is it? Yeah. Chief Strategy something? Uh, I think it was the it's first time I've heard a title for Joe Dumars. Chief Strategery uh, official. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what even, like, we have no idea what Joe Dumars does. And, again, Joe Dumars was in Sacramento for three years. Three years. Ten words. Ten That's words crazy. is all I got. And it was three over years. three, maybe three times, like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, he might have said, hey, what's up, guys, three times. So I might not even got to ten words. It might only be, like, nine words because we said he said the same thing, like, three times. We were never, ever given access to Joe Dumars, which is the strangest thing ever. Um, but now he's gone. And, and it ends up being part of, like, what we're hearing now is it was, like, an arm wrestling like competition that he lost and, and so all of this is intriguing brendan like but this is again we always talk about this this is your first time kind of through this are you just sitting here like what is happening what, i what is yeah, happening absolutely absolutely um and i talk to a lot of people that don't or not a lot of people i have like a close friend and then some family members <laughs> he um, knows three people it's yeah okay. yeah it's a lot you know it's more than a couple <laughs> Um, <laughs> I would quote City like, Slickers, but Brendan's never watched it. Nope. Nope. Oh, uh, <laughs> there is a good amount of people that don't know anything about basketball that I just rant to um, about what is happening. And That's a good thing, just so you know. It's a, it's a good thing. I talk to my dad all the time about this. I, like, I rant at my dad. And, and sometimes I rant at my brother, and then sometimes my brother or my dad want to take credit for what I say. <laughs> Yeah, well, you should give it to them every once in a while. You of know? course. Yeah, you just give it to them. Yeah. So, I don't know. And then I call you and just try to be like, is this normal, James? And you're just, for for me, I guess, like, for the Kings. I, I think, think the answer is always, like, it's for the Kings. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, James, latest edition. Is the chief strategy officer trying to become the general manager a normal thing it wasn't even okay so so me and sean discussed this late on the pod um because we did have this conversation late like late last night um so basically like i lay it out like there's a triangle right and and over here on this part is monty and wes and over here on this part is uh is joe dumars and then Vivek Ranadive is in the middle. So Monty, when he wants to say something, he talks to Vivek. And Joe, when he wants to say something, he talks to Vivek. And then Vivek relays stuff. So what Joe was trying to do was break the triangle and move into the middle. So basically become the director, uh, well, head of basketball operations. That, I mean, that's what that position's called typically. Uh, VP of basketball ops, whatever you want to call it. And that's where Joe Dumars wanted to land. He wanted for Wes and Monty to answer to him, and then he would talk to Vivek as opposed to Monty talking to Vivek and him talking to Vivek and them having some sort of meeting in the middle. Um, yeah, that didn't work out for Joe Dumars, and he didn't like the outcome, and so he decided to go join the NBA. He took his ball and went home. Yeah, thankfully. Can you imagine? We just get news drop that... Joe Dumars, president of basketball operations, in the middle of all of this. <laughs> oh God! I, I would have expected it. I would have expected it. So yeah. no, I mean fully. Like I, that's the chaos. It is 
this team. We never know what's going on. Yeah. So, like, the, I, I, we know what's weird... going on, but we also, like, we, it's unpredictable. It is totally unpredictable. Yeah. So. The weird, the weirdest aspect or most concerning aspect to me with the Dumars thing is that he was just involved in the first round of coach interviews in the Zoom, right, for all six of those guys. Um, and, like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll tell you what that, that reminds me of. It reminds me of this moment when um, the Kings did all of their pre their pre draft workouts with um, with all the prospects, and they had their whole entire draft board and everything. Well, they were like technologically savvy for the time and had it all on iPads. And when Pete D'Alessandro quit out of nowhere. He done. He absconded with the iPads, leaving Vlade Divac by oh himself <laughs> with with no information on the draft. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh so, my God. so at least Joe Dumars didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, the one thing Joe Dumars could have done, he could have like downloaded a bunch of files really quick. Like, oh, <laughs> I took all the Zoom recordings. Now I got you. Like, no, like. Again, this is Just, these it'll come happen. out in a week. It'll Again, come that's out. Why, yeah. Brendan's like, is this? Is He'll this drop new? the worst part of the winning candidates interview right after they get announced. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, God. I don't even know. My what to working say. theory is yes. that Joe Dumars was an executive in Detroit the same time that. Um, there's so many names I getting lost here. Mike Brown was an assistant in Indiana and the malice of the palace happened and they just never could recover. Oh, so this is all spiteful. Yeah. I, I could be. see that. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. Be. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, we get to this point where, you know, the Dumar saying is so secondary and it's like, okay, NBA legend, Joe Dumars. And I'll also tell you the other thing this reminds me of very, very much so is that um, as things, like, started to spin out in Sacramento, like, Chris Mullen just magically disappeared. Like, there was... It's almost as if, like, like someone whacked, like, Chris Mullen and he was, like, Jimmy Hoffa, and all of a sudden he was gone. And we're like, hey, where is Chris Mullen, the president of basketball operations? Or or I think he may have been the... Um, Chief strategy officer, possibly. <laughs> Chief strategy <laughs> officer. Yeah, I don't think they reused that title. I think, <laughs> I think he had something like, um, like it was the equivalent of like the consigliere of 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 the chairman. Like he had some, like very saucy title that that, that Alvin it, Gentry currently holds. Yeah, yeah, and before him, uh, uh, Tyrone Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He was more of what's in what they call the Jerry West role. And the problem with the Jerry West role, that there's really only Jerry West. Everyone else, like, it's just another voice that, that muddies the water and confuses everybody and confuses everybody who wants to take the job. I'll be honest, the job right now in Sacramento is so much easier than it was six months ago or two years ago because now all of a sudden we've trimmed down and... 
you know, like, again, n no knock on King Catanella, but Ken Catanella is no longer there, so you no longer have the assistant there. Like, Monty has an opportunity here, hopefully, to, to hire his own coach. And that own coach... Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, and that's what we're going to get to. Um, like, this is that moment you always get to where a GM gets to hire his own coach, right? Well, that's just... Now we have all this other craziness. So we... Monday, we start hearing, like, Mark Stein puts out that... In the interview process, which Vivek Ranadive is not a part of, Vivek Ranadive has fallen in love with Mark Jackson, even though he's not part of the interview process. So I got to start wondering, like, is, is Vivek, like, quietly, like, hitting record on Zoom and, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what that red flashing light is. And so then he's watching the, re the Zoom messages back and being like, oh... I like that Mark Jackson. Uh, he and Mark Jackson, of course, know each other. They were, uh, he was in the Bay Area with, uh, as, as an owner of the Golden State Warriors when Mark Jackson was a head coach. That didn't go well. It didn't go well by, um, outside of the wins and losses, everything else was like a flaming hot mess. We can sit here and argue all day. I argued with Kenny for like an hour on the radio on Monday with uh, D'Lo and Casey about some of these stories when it comes to Mark Jackson. I'll just tell you this, like, I haven't had, outside of Mark Jackson, denying that any of the, all of this is erroneous and that he will fight anyone that says that it's not, I have yet to find anyone who actually refutes the stories. Even the Steph Curry, Draymond Green, we love the guy, he should get another opportunity type stuff they still don't refute the stories they don't and so we're now at the the precipice of hell because vivek ranadive we all know because not only did mark stein say that but others have now gone on record as saying it as well we saw what jake fisher say it um there's others who are out there touting it i'm hearing it you're hearing it um that Vivek wants Mark Jackson and Monty McNair wants Mike Brown. And so now we have this moment of who's going to win this Brendan Steve Clifford. This <laughs> is the moment. This is the moment where Vivek either becomes a winner by getting out of the way, or he continues his, reign of chaos and losing it uh, to me it is and that's not because i think automatically that mark jackson is going to be you know like a horrible candidate um I, I don't like his candidacy i don't like that he hasn't been a head coach in the nba for eight years uh, i don't like that he only has three years of coaching experience total i mean maybe he coached an aau team i don't know about but like like, he, he hasn't done anything else. He hasn't done anything before or anything since. Um, but this is that moment where Vivek either lets the basketball people make the decision or he doesn't. And so he has a choice. Do I, do I want to take responsibility for what could happen? Or do I want Monty McNair to finally get to take ownership of what he's doing as a head of basketball ops? slash gm yeah and you know i think like 
when some people hear you say at the beginning, like it makes sense to give Monty and Wes, those guys, the same contract as whatever length head coach they bring in, I think a lot of people would be hesitant or, or maybe roll their eyes at that because it's like, what has Monty proven at this point? But those guys need to be on the same page, the front office and the coaching staff. And maybe it's a crappy way to look at it, but you can almost say like the last two seasons were like at some point there was going to be an overlap going on where, I mean, what we've seen of it being either a GM that a coach already in place and a GM comes in and has to have that head coach for X amount of seasons um, and just not being on the same page. And this is the opportunity for Monty to get on the same page with his coaching staff and just the dynamic is so unhealthy if it's not the candidate that the front office wanted. Um, and maybe it depends on what level Monty and, and Wes and those guys feel about Mark Jackson. Maybe they're like viewing him as a second and, and fine with it. And, and maybe that's a different scenario. But with how much it sounds like Mark Jackson is just like Vivek, 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 like, and it, to be honest, screams like something Vivek, like it just screams Vivek, right? Like, this is an opportunity for all of those guys to get on the same page. And if you don't allow Monty to make his own decisions, Monty and Wes to make his own decisions, then there's also this conversation of like, okay, but was that even Monty's idea? Um, or like the conversation we have with Luke earlier, like, you know, this isn't his full coaching staff. So um, they're not all on the same page. So we got to give a little bit of wiggle room for that. Like get everybody on the same page. And this is the opportunity to do that. And that is by letting what you just said happen. The front office make their decision on who their guy is that's going to instill the system, style of play, and optimization of probably this Fox and Sabonis pairing um, to what they both view as the best outcome of that. Have to be on the same page. I agree 100%. Um, Brendan, what do I say to Avery every single night while we're waiting for someone to come, uh, like, get out of the shower and come and do media our media sessions he says uh De'Aaron Fox will be here shortly what do I say I don't believe you I don't <laughs> believe you I don't believe you Avery so if we get to a a press conference where Monty McNair is sitting in front of the media and he is telling us that Mark Jackson was his choice I don't believe you. And I also believe you're not going to get your contract extension. And I believe you don't want your contract extension. And I believe that you will leave the first opportunity that you have. And rightfully so. Yeah, I agree. I will say, um, when it comes to Mark Jackson, I mean, we've had a lot of conversation about him. I'm very tired of it, to be honest. You're... Um, are you, <laughs> God, you, I... This is the first conversation I've had since, like, I guess covering the team or that just, God, I get so triggered all the time, James. It's so agitating. So have you agitating. Seen, have you seen I'm Going to Get You Sucker? God. No. no. God damn it. He, he's like OG. He, he's over, uh, but not OG. He's, he's o, over uh, OMG'd. Uh, OMJ'd. He's, he's over, uh, 
Mark Jackson. Oh, gotcha, like, gotcha. Oh, Junebug. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. So, yeah, the conversation around him is so ridiculous, and I want to talk about basketball, damn it. But I yes. will say that if and, – and you can talk about basketball with Mark Jackson, and it still is not a great case for him, as you've done. Uh, you did on 1320 and, and a little bit here as well. Um, a little bit like an if, hour and a half. It's but, true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, if Mark Jackson gets hired, there is – like, I'm going to talk myself into it, obviously. We have to go cover this team, have conversations with Mark Jackson. And yep, you have to give him a chance. Like, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. And I'm not going to help but be able to think that, like, Vivek was around him. And maybe it's not as bad as it was because Vivek saw – like, I don't know. I'm talking myself into this, clearly, James. So I'm preparing myself. But, you know, the same way that I am able to say, like, Vivek was around Mark Jackson. He would have seen all this stuff. So that's why I'm shocked that he goes this way. You know, I, I think the other point that people could make is Vivek was around him. So he knows the extent of it. And if he's willing to make that higher, then it's actually not as bad as everything coming out. Trying You've to present like, the other side, like I the just, sixth stage of grief. <laughs> of grief. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're. Uh, what is it? You're <laughs> rationalizing here. Um, I had someone ask me today, and it was a very honest question, and it was by someone who, like, was realistically looking for an answer to help, and it was, how can Vivek, like, look. You go downtown, like, right, I, I went downtown, I had coffee. You go downtown, and you sit in the doco, and you look around, and as someone who in, like, many, many years ago helped build the downtown plaza before the the Kings tore it down and built this new thing, right? I, I actually was a construction worker on the downtown plaza many years ago out of high school. You go downtown, and you see that arena sitting there. And you see all those restaurants, and you see the doco, and the stupid piglet, and you see all of that stuff. The the absolutely gorgeous hotel sitting there. You see all of that stuff. What Vivek has accomplished is absolutely stunning. It's stunning. And it's so sad that we cannot appreciate Vivek for what he's done. It is. He not only saved basketball in in Sacramento by putting out a bunch of money and, and getting a group together, although you could say that even he was part of a different like whatever. We can the fact is that Vivek is a guy who was the spearhead at the end who led that. He's also the guy who has built the arena, built the doco, built that entire area. It's absolutely gorgeous. And if you were ever there before, it was a whole and no one went there. The only one, the only people that went there were state workers. I know that they would walk around on their lunch and they would mill around. I know that because I worked at Copeland Sports in the downtown plaza years later after I had helped build it, even like earlier. You you look around and all of the amazing things, and Vivek is a uh, he's a flat out pariah. Like no one wants to, like. They want him gone. 90% of Kings fans want a new owner. 
So I was asked a question, how can he, how can he fix his image? The only way, Brendan, is to let the basketball side do their job, is to not make this about who Vivek Ranadive wants. And it's to not chase like a somewhat famous guy in Mark Jackson. That, that's the only way. And if we do this, we don't do it now. The next time that we're doing this, it's going to be with De'Aaron Fox on a different team and DeMontis Sabonis on a different team and nothing left. That is probably the path that we're, we're heading towards. And that's, that's the gamble that he's willing to, to go out on a limb and do is to give a guy who hasn't been in the league for eight years and who only has three years of coaching experience an opportunity and who has a litany an entire Twitter thread of negative things that have happened in his tenure as coach, you're going to put your eggs in a basket like that. You know what that is? That's like sending your kid out on Easter Sunday to go collect eggs with a grocery outlet bag. <laughs> you know, the things are going to bust through the bottom and they're going to keep falling out and you're, they're going to come in like, I had a bunch more. I don't know what happened. You look out, there's a big line of eggs all the way. That is what's, that is the likely outcome. It's disaster. You want to know how to fix this? Let the basketball guys make the basketball decisions. Just this once. Let, let's, let's just try it this way. Because for nine years, you've been the worst owner in, in professional sports. Yeah. And you just let your general manager trusted him enough. He just traded Tyrese Halliburton off of this team. And if you're going to allow him to make a decision of that level, then let him fully see his vision through. Even if, if some people don't agree with the Tyrese thing, I think it's still up in the air. Like, and you're he his has best to friend. be able to see it through. I'm not going to lie. When you talked about that whole scenario that sounded horrible, Fox and Sabonis gone, I couldn't help but just instantly think of Tyrese. I'm like, this is where this guy is useful with uh, contract control. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm going to hear you about understand, it every time like, I play 2K. You are on the precipice of disaster, and you are recommending a head coach that no one else will hire. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It's tough. And – and everyone uh, knows it. Yeah. And it's been tough to come to accept that it's a real possibility. Oh. <sighs> it's a real know. possibility. Like there, uh, But you know what? I'll say this. During the Monty McNair era, um, which is like 19 months old, and it feels like it's been like four years. Um, and that's not a, a slide on money. It, it just, it does feel like it's way longer. The, the age of COVID has been like really weird for all of us. But in the Monty McNair era, I feel like there's been a couple of times where I, f I felt like he won. Where like the basketball oh. won. Where the the basketball IQ the that you paid good money to bring in won. And so I'm hoping this is this is another instance where Monty McNair wins and that you reward Monty McNair by taking care of his contract and you get him here long term to figure out if he can if he can fix this thing. 
two-year fixes don't work, especially for a GM. They, they never work with coaches, but a GM has to have more than that time. Like, we need to see what this guy can do, and we need to see him with his own coach and someone he's comfortable with moving forward. And what we, we don't need is this weird, dramatic, like, craziness that's going on behind the scenes. It, this, isn't, this isn't normal, Brennan. It's, you're living it through the first time. It's normal in Sacramento for some reason. It's not normal anywhere else. And that's what, what has to stop. And I, like I, I think that there's this moment here where Vivek can be redeemed by getting out of the way and letting the basketball people fix this thing and literally let him become the owner thought of as the owner that he should be thought of as a guy who built the arena, who saved the Kings, who did all of this stuff, but got out of the way and let basketball people do their thing. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case, but yeah, as am I, obviously um, there's a lot of good with Vivek when it comes to him as a person and like you're saying, everything that he's done for the city of Sacramento. So um, definitely getting out of the way on the basketball thing seems pretty beneficial and probably should have taken place a while ago. It's not that he shouldn't have any input. Of course, owners are going to have input. He's the one putting all the money in. Like, of course. But there's a difference between completely overriding decisions. And again, like if, if Monty and Wes are like, okay, 1A is Mike Brown, 1B in their own list is Mark Jackson, and Vivek's like, and like convinces them to lean towards Mark like Jackson. Tilt the sure. a little bit. Yeah, no. sure. But if... Monty and Wes are like, I would not hire this guy. And Vivek is like, no, sorry, that's what we're doing. There's an issue. It's not that Vivek shouldn't have any input. It's this like, this was his decision. And we're not even sure how these other guys really feel about it. Wild. Okay. And and then I'm going to finish up this conversation. Like I I talk about it with Sean as well, but um, I'll make sure as I say here with Brendan. Like, I've had the conversations around this whole entire search, and one of my apprehensions with Mike Brown was very, very clear. Like, I I think Mike Brown has always been the safest pick. I said that before we got down to three. Um, Like, the biggest concern I had was that Mike Brown wouldn't take the job. And I I have confirmed that Mike Brown would take the job. It's got to come with some stipulations about you know like coaching and amount of years and dollar figures and um things like being able to hire your own assistants and like the group that he wants you know the money that he'll have to do that and stuff like that and and also a commitment to winning like it's got to be a commitment to winning because you know like steve clifford went through this where all of a sudden he's in orlando and they sell the whole team off and he's like yeah i'm out like I ain't doing this. Like I'm not doing this. I'm, you know, at that point he's I think 59 years old, and he's like, yeah, you just traded Vucevic and Fournier and and Aaron Gordon, and I just can't. I can't start over with you. Well, Dave Yeager had six months with Demarcus Cousins or four months with Demarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, Darren Collison, um, Ty Lawson, Aaron Aflalo, like like a whole team. Like, he had a team. And then Omer Caspi and, like... And then year two, it's five rookies. Fox, Justin Jackson, uh, 
Harry Giles, uh, Frank Mason, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, all rookies at the same time. Totally different team. His team is trashed. And, you know, they're signing 40-year-old Vince Carter and 36-year-old Zach Randolph, and and they overpay uh, George Hill. Like, it's a completely different thing. Like, so that's not what Mike Brown wants. He wants a commitment to, like, like we're doing this now. And so I'm hoping that that's the guy uh, because I also think that that's Monty's guy. And I think we know that that's Monty's guy by a lot of different reporting and just what we're hearing out there. Um, but, like, this is a moment, Brendan. It's a, it's a moment where you can either blow this thing up and, and do the wrong thing and have the repercussions be um, even worse than they are now because recovering from that – we're talking about 20-something years of missing the playoffs. We're talking about the biggest joke in in professional sports history as a franchise. Yeah. You're already in the conversation, but it gets to a point where it's no longer a conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, if you're in Have European we- soccer, you got relegated like like 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Have we, have we confirmed if Mark Jackson would take the job? Just curious. Where Mark Jackson, I, I'm pretty sure would take the job. I'm pretty okay. sure he okay. would take the job. I was, I was, yeah, was ho- holding out hope there, but all right. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're 55 minutes into the podcast here. Um, we're going to hit you with uh, 33 minutes of uh, Sean Cunningham and myself um, riffing about some of the similar stuff, but uh, again, it's just, it, it's slightly different because uh, Sean and I just have a, uh, you know, it, it's different. And the only reason we did it this way is because we all had scheduling issues. Brendan had an issue last night. Uh, Sean couldn't get loose until like after midnight. Um, I had the repairman coming and a, and a meeting for coffee today. Um, so, so we're going to break this thing up in a bunch of different ways. Um, but let's roll tape on uh, Sean Cunningham and myself talking about the coaching search and sort of where we're at and what we're hearing. All right, we are going ham. Sean Cunningham, James Ham. What's going on, Sean? We're recording this in the wee hours of the night to tuck into the podcast. Uh, first of all, before we get started on on the coaching discussion, sure. congratulations, first day at Fox 40. How did it go? Uh, it was an absolute... <laughs> it's silly. Like, it, I, I don't know. I keep being asked this a lot and and maybe i'm just coming off too humble i I don't think so i'm just not used to all the people patting me on the back and saying like like i'm ever you know what's someone actually brought this up today in the office they're like they stopped by and i said you know i'll just be happy when they go oh that's sean instead because i just hear my full name there there goes sean cunningham oh that's sean cunningham and everyone has been unbelievably kind (laughs) they're 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 making it sound like I'm the second coming of Jesus Christ or something. I mean, are you it, the Michael Malone of, oh God, of Fox 40? I, I, look, <laughs> I am, I can't tell you, I, I've told you this privately. I, I was so unbelievably stoked to get to, to start. I had less than a week off almost by design that way because, you know, they're so great that they know that I've got Bottle Rock coming up. So I'm going to have a couple of days off later this month or like almost like a week off later this month. But um, so I started a little bit earlier than I probably would have liked to in terms of starting a new job. But because there's a 
I haven't done this in a while, James, and there's a lot you have to set up, just like the whole, uh, you know, my email's changed, my contact information's changed, and I got to make sure everyone knows about it. So I'm making sure I've got all these things set because, you know, I need to still stay informed from every major sport and all of our teams in our area and things like that. So thought I'd have a little bit more time to do that today, but the not to go too long on here with this, but I just cannot believe, man, like... It was almost like the G- the GM ran outside to the, the news director uh, ran outside to greet me uh, when I pulled into the station. Um, I come into the newsroom and and it was a little, you know, they're like, "This is Sean," and we're so happy to have him. And it's like, oh man, it means the world. It's really such a warm welcome. But I, you know, I'm so self deprecating and I'm just uncomfortable with all of it that. I'm just like, nah, man, I'm just Sean. Just let's leave it at that. Like, I'm Sean. I'm in sports. <laughs> you know, you you may like me. <laughs> you, hopefully you don't hate me. No one no one really hates me that I know of. And um, let's just get, let's just do our job. Let's just go. And, you know, so hopefully uh, I'll just be Sean. Hey, hey, Sean. <laughs> and then that'll be it. So Sean has, uh, of course, branded himself like Madonna. He's now just Sean. Just Sean. And, and you're just supposed to call him just Sean anywhere he goes. I'm just Sean. Yeah. I uh, just, just Sean, yeah. No, like once and, and having you know my name Lee Lee changed. <laughs> and and honestly, like, I think most people would take the first week and just slide on in and kind of you know, kind of ease into the new position and and we'll get to stories later on. Maybe learn some new technologies and new processes in the workflow. No, no, I I get thrown <laughs> to the wolves and it would they look they would allow me to do it. They really would, James. But you know me, I have to be booking i'm I, i'm all about booking stories staying relevant and so uh the reason you're meeting here me so early in the morning is because i have a shoot later on today and uh it's going to occupy my time and uh it'll be good it's going to be exclusive and then i got some other stuff later on this week that are gonna be kind of fun so one oh. of which is nba and one of which will be nfl and i i'm, uh, I'm excited to get these stories going excellent uh sean is an excellent storyteller um my schedule tomorrow is also uh, booked out, um, but it's because I have a refrigerator repairman coming between 12 and 4, and I don't know when he'll be there because my refrigerator died last week. And I'm like, it's bad news bears. It's not good. No, no. We have a really a nice face. refrigerator, and this is the second time I believe that the compressor's gone out, and now, oh, no. and now I'm like, oh. I mean, it's... It's going to be a costly one. It's going to be a costly one. All right, let's get into this. Uh, the reason why we are uh, jumping on so late is because, um, you know, Brendan and I are going to jump back in right to the conversation. But I, I think it is really good to have Sean and I here because uh, we're two guys who hear a lot of things. And uh, at this point, again, we're going to go through this uh, ad nauseum over the next couple of days because this thing is going to keep dragging out. Um, but we have three finalists. We found out on Saturday. I had a very strange Saturday. Uh, I got to be honest. I I got a heads up. Like, hey, we're going to ruin your Saturday. I'm like, huh? No. We're going to ruin your Saturday, and we'll get back to you later and have some more conversations. Like, okay. Uh, that's perfectly fine. As long as I can get out for my dinner reservations at 745, I'm good. Yeah. So, uh, of course, uh, the search has been narrowed to uh, Mike Brown. Um, Mark Jackson and, um, boy, Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford. Yeah. The, you've the brain. Got, it, you've already crossed him off your list. Yeah, the, you? the brain this late at night. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Steve. Um, you know, like, uh, Sean, um, 
you know, again, for me, I'm just going to, the list when it was seven was much more intriguing than the list that's at three. And I I know that I, I think I've been a little harsh on um, at least one of the candidates here and Mark Jackson. Um, I, I, you've been harsh on Mark Jackson. Um, and, and I think some of the fans have been too. Uh, but, you know, he's one of the final the final three. What what is your just overall takeaway of this this group? And are you comfortable that this is number one who they're going to continue with? Like this is the group, and there won't be ads or subtractions. And Do we know uh, that for sure. What's that? Do we know that for sure? I'm pretty sure that that's the case. I, I think that if someone if they offered the job to someone and they said no, um, we could see like somewhat of reshuffling. But I'm pretty sure, right? unless uh, a guy like Quinn Snyder became available, then uh, and I don't think Quinn's going to become available as well, on Monday. So everyone knows Quinn Snyder. Uh, they announced that Quinn Snyder's going in for hip surgery. Uh, I think he's going in for hip surgery on Tuesday. Hip replacement yeah. today, yeah, hip replacement. And uh, so um, I'm not sure what that means for his coaching, you know, this next season or anything else, but. Um, it, it seems like he's probably staying in Utah or he might take some time off. We, we don't really know. Uh, but just Sean, what, give me your overall, uh, like helicopter view of, of what you think of what's happened here. Well, I'll say this, man. Like I can tell you of the conversations that I've had. Um, I don't hear them always saying finalists. Right. And I know that I've said finalists. I've heard a couple people that I've talked to say finalists, but Things I've talked to, and again, this is probably the finalists. Um, I think this is where it's going to end up being. But they've, they're very much clear in the in the in the realm of saying we had a first round. This is the next round. Um, they've whittled it down. I'm like I I was I was on a podcast earlier this morning, and I said, you know, I, I if if another name popped up out of the blue, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Um, I clearly think that means I kind of agree with what you said, that maybe something would have happened with these three or maybe one of the three or two of the three. Um, but I'm, I don't know that I'm completely comfortable in, in claiming that they're finalists based off people I've talked to. But I will. Let's just for the sake of argument say that they're finalists. Um, it's very clear that they're looking at experience. It's very clear that they're looking at defense. It's very clear that uh, they're looking at people who've been successful in postseason and in turning teams around. I think that's a huge um, merit badge for all three of these guys, certain guys deeper than others, of course. There's also familiarity uh, among really all three coaches, but clearly between Mark Jackson, or excuse me, with uh, Mike Brown and Steve Clifford. And uh, it's not surprising. I think I said last week that when I looked at the seven, I kind of uh, expected maybe a little bit more in there or a couple other names in there. I wasn't really surprised, to be honest, that um, we ended up with three veteran head coaches. I did say to you yes last week that um, if a gun was pointed to my head and I had to choose who the Kings were going to hire and who I would hire of the seven, I said I thought, and I, ha- I had no idea. I told you I had no inside information on which way they were leaning. But I thought at the time, if I had to guess, it would have been Charles Lee. Um. And that was just based on kind of relationships and kind of where certain things were landing because I just didn't think that 
I think Darvin Ham will be coaching next year. I just don't think it, I just didn't think it would be Sacramento. And I think Will Hardy is a name that uh, is somebody who's probably going to give it some time. And I thought Charles Lee honestly would probably give it some time too. And I said if there was a guy that I would pick, it would have been Mike Brown of the of the seven. So Mike Brown advances. Charles Lee does not. So uh, however that washed away, I, I don't have complete clarity on some of the reasons why they're not going forward with uh, some of those other names, but they're not. And these are the three. And I think that uh, just on paper and on the surface, if you don't go into, you know, how the sausage is made, you look at some coaches that have been, have done some good things, have done some bad things. They've experienced a, a hell of a lot. And uh, like I said, defense experience and have a knack for turning teams around. Yeah. I mean, I, that's clearly what we're looking at. The, the three, I mean, how much Steve Clifford has turned around a team. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, like his track record isn't to take some team and, and make them great. Uh, on occasion, he, I mean, he made the playoffs four times in the Eastern Conference. He had a 40, 48 win team, but then kind of fell backwards, um, in Charlotte. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I have been told that the list was, that's it. That's the, the three that they're looking at right now. That doesn't, right I now. think it, it right, yeah, right yeah, now. That's... yeah. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, man, I keep I keep trying to nail them to that to say, will you say finalists? Do you say they don't want to rule anything out? And at least people I've talked to, um, nobody's nobody is uh, confident in in saying that that these that this is it. So a lot of I get back is that the you know that this was that the process is going to be comprehensive, and we've talked about that, and. Uh, Process-driven, uh, like comprehensive, yeah. and process-driven. And, and I've always said, you know, I could probably poke holes in that. But again, whether or not <laughs> I poke holes in that, um, you could come up with names and I can come up with names, James. And, and the reality is either those candidates or those people that we bring up have no interest in Sacramento or Sacramento has no interest in those candidates for whatever reason. So um, if they're getting the guy that they want and it's among these three, more power to them. I don't yeah, know. I would. And you know what, James? I don't know that either either of those three that I would label, if you look in, you know, coaching grades are really stupid after the hire. Uh, I, I just don't know personally if I'd look at any three of these and go, yeah, that's an A-plus hire. Yeah. I think, like, I, I ranked them on Sunday. And I oh, ranked them. I, no, but I didn't grade them because um, I don't like doing grades at all. Uh, but I did rank them, like, how I would look at them as candidates. Um, and it was Mike Brown and then Steve Clifford, and then Mark Jackson. And uh, and again, like I've gotten this uh, argument with uh, D'Lo and Casey, specifically with Casey on the air. Um, you know, just he's a lot of like, why not Mark Jackson? And, you know, we covered it a lot last week, but like there's nothing that I've seen that makes me change my mind. Um, he's a coach who had some success in uh in golden state and and look golden state was a bad situation they i think they made the playoffs like once in 17 years something like that once in 18 years um they were in a bad place and when he took the team over they weren't good uh they weren't good in year one they made massive improvement in year two and in year three they made the playoffs and then he flamed out you know like he got his shot and things did not go well behind the scenes and he was no longer head coach. Now, like, depends on who you talk to, why he hasn't got back in the game. Um, but the prevailing thought that I have been handed by most people is that um, he is too prideful 
to take an assistant job. And that's why he has not been in the league for the last eight years. And the league has changed. It's Can I changed. pause you on that for a second? Yeah. James, if I gave you what would be the equivalent of the John Gruden job in the NBA, you're on the flagship sta- you're, you're broadcast. I mean, why would you take an assistant coaching gig over being on that broadcast? Well, if I wanted to coach, I would take an assistant gig. If I don't want to coach, that's fine. Like, go be, go be on TV. That's fine. Right. But transitioning back to the actual sidelines, that's huge. And, and the fact is, the other problem that I have, which I've, I've laid out multiple times, like he has three years of coaching experience total. In total. I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, uh, Steve Clifford and, uh, and Mike, Brown Mike Brown each have been head coaches for eight years and assistants for 13 years. I mean, these guys have put in their time. They know how to build a system. They know how to build a culture. They know how... And look, Jackson did some really good things, and his defensive numbers got better every season. But you walked away from the game, and just because you're sitting on the sidelines calling a game does not mean that you've been in watching film and studying and building out a playbook and, and learning the modern NBA player. Like, there's a big... there. There will be a learning curve if he's a head coach. And I don't think, I think that Mark Jackson can be a coach in the NBA. I'm not saying he can't be a coach in the NBA. I'm just saying that, like, man, this franchise is broken. You can't take that gamble if you're this this franchise, in my opinion. And and so I, I think that there is a problem there with just how how I perceive, like, some of his issues, but really the X's and O's. Just on that alone, the fact that he does not have the basic experience, the fact that Will Hardy has four times the amount of coaching experience that he does, that every single one of these other candidates have massive amounts of experience, that's, that is a huge issue in, in my book. And yeah. so like, we're just hoping they get it right, right? I, you know, yeah. like covering good basketball would be actually fun. But it also would make our jobs more interesting. And, you know, you hope that eventually this will happen. They can turn it around. But you got to get this one right. Yeah, I mean, you feel for the fans. They've been through so much of this, you know. And yeah, so many there's people who jump ship that are just like, yeah, I'm done. You know, things like this have have given enough, uh, you know, with the losing seasons and no playoffs. And look, you got inflation, you got high ticket prices. You know, it is what it is. It's given people enough. rope to basically say I'm, i don't i don't need this right now and maybe they come back and hopefully they come back and hopefully you get uh regardless it's still a very passionate fan base and, and mm-hmm. you just really feel for them but i will say this like you're not wrong i'm just kind of throwing some some counter arguments your way with when it of comes course to mark jackson uh i will say this um i mentioned it this morning i said the the, the gap of employment between jobs if in in any you could have any job in the country, okay? And I don't usually like comparing regular people jobs to NBA jobs or even in professional sports. But when you're away from the game that long, even as an analyst, and I know you're, I know Mark Jackson's very close to the game. That's not the argument. But it does give a disservice when you're gone for so long. Same thing with Jeff Van Gundy. At least Van Gundy was doing things with FIBA and, and working with a lot of young talent through Team USA and doing stuff with FIBA. Um 
I feel that there there can be a disconnect there. I also feel, in Mark Jackson's case, it might have been entirely necessary based on, as my buddy Deuce Mason said, all the smoke that was around Mark Jackson and has continued to just circulate around him. And I, I said something. I said, look, no matter how you feel about the smoke, no matter how you feel about a lot of the uh, issues that surround Mark Jackson, take away half of them. You still have a lot of concerns. And the argument I made last week to you, James, was I said, I get all that. I, I get all that. I think Mark Jackson should and will be a head coach again in the NBA. I don't fault him for not being an assistant coach. I really don't. However, when you're a former player and you lose the support of players and and the respect of players, something that the likes of Will Hardy, Steve Clifford, um, Nick Nurse, Taylor Jenkins, guys like that, who Eric Spolstra, who, who already have to build, they have to go the extra mile to build that respect among players, not being former players at a high level, right? Um, and, I, and, you know, th- that to me is tough to get back. So I, I think that the, the gap of time could assist Mark Jackson, pun intended, because <laughs> he's such an assistant. Uh, Got it. I think it could help him. I think it could help him. I really do. I also think that time has passed for him to evolve as a person. I think no one looks back at their first head coaching gig and say, I got that 100% right. I think, you know, he would tell you, I didn't. There's a lot of stuff that I messed up. I'm not perfect. Um, and he's evolved as a person, I would hope he say. I've heard him say that. You know, I think he's evolved in a lot of things. But the thing that gives me pause is, this is the Kings. And... <laughs> I, I don't think the Kings, as currently constituted, 16 years without playoffs, I realize that's not the fault of this ownership group. I know that's not the fault of this administration and this front office, who, by the way, just lost Joe Dumars, who was a part of those first-round interviews, and bye. Um, <laughs> and we can get to that in a second. But I think that there's just too much smoke around this candidate to where I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. To quote. I agree. The Girl Next Door movie, which is fantastic. But it was, I don't think it the was. juice is worth the squeeze. And I think it's too big of a risk for this team that has put that's laid down a lot of like it or not, I know this is people are gonna probably poke holes in this, they'll get pissed at me and, and tweet me and say you're on glue or you're a mouthpiece for the organization, which I'm not, but I tell this to right to their face. I say, Look, I know you haven't won, and I think in my opinion, this organization has done a lot of trying to lay some at least ground rules of understanding within their organization. I think that's a very broad way of saying that they haven't necessarily established a culture for the team, but organizationally, you at least kind of know they want to check some boxes, yeah? And I just don't think, I think Mark Jackson kind of flies in the face of that. I would agree. I would agree 100%. Now, we do have, uh, Sean mentioned, uh, Joe Dumars left the franchise on Monday. Um, and according to our friend, Sam Amick, there was a somewhat of a power struggle where, um, he wanted to, so the way that it worked, if we draw a map, there was Monty and Wes and Joe. It's a pyramid Ponzi scheme, right? It it was a pyramid. And then here at the top was Vivek. And so all information from here would go to here and then here. And all the information from here would go here to here. He wanted to slide in the middle so it would go Wes, Monty, Joe Dumars, and Vivek, and that Vivek would be would hear what was happening, but he would hear it from Joe Dumars, and that 
the front office would answer to him and then he would answer to Vivek as opposed to the front office answering to Vivek and then him answering to Vivek and then the meeting in the middle. Um, he did not get that. And, uh, according to our friend, Sam, and so they went, uh, they decided to move away from that position. He decided to leave and, uh, it sounds like they're not going to replace that position, which to be honest with you, less cooks in the kitchen in Sacramento is a really good thing. Um, I also know that there's this, uh, there's two different ways that this thing has played out. Um, and, and I'll just, just tell people that there, there is a way that Mark Stein saying that Vivek Ranadive was blown away by, um, by Mark Jackson in the, uh, in the coaching search. So what do we have? What's the exact language here? The interview process. Yeah. Um, man. Uh, ask Mark Jackson has impressed Kings owner Vivek Ranadive in the interview process to date and appears to have the best shot at an NBA coaching job since his Golden State House stir eight years ago. Now, um, Sam Amick tells us that uh, Vivek is not part of the process in the first round, that he was not part of the interviews, and that he clearly, uh, like, it's virtually impossible for this to be the case that he has fallen in love with Mark Jackson, especially since Vivek is going to be part of round two, but Mark Jackson still isn't in Sacramento yet. He's in Sacramento tomorrow. It sounds like he'll be in Sacramento on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, to meet with the Kings. So I'm going to tell people that there is a possibility that Vivek could actually have watched the interview process because there's a thing called zoom and, and they were zoom interviews and it's possible that vivek was like hiding behind like a like a fig leaf tree in uh monty mcnair's office watching the zoom interviews no uh, he wasn't part of the process but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have watched the video well he couldn't and let, have watched it vivek ronadive and mark jackson have known one another for all, over a decade so to say that you're impressed with him it, let's just put it expands beyond the interview process. And you know what? They've had contact with one another. Let's just be real. I mean, whether it's a for the interview, you have conversations, you, you can have someone who's um, dialed into the agency and uh, look, these, these guys, it's not like they're meeting for the first time, James. And I think people get really caught up in the, in the language of things. Just it, look, is a Vecron and DVA impressed? You think? They just cut the freaking list to three people. If he wasn't impressed, he wouldn't have been one of the three people, James. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I like yeah. completely. And, and also, um, like one of the concerns that I've had, just, you know, I've said it multiple times. It's that um, we've heard very, like, there's been rumors that, you know, Mike Brown is willing to go back and be a head coach and he would like to get back into the head coach business, but it's got to be the right situation. And so that lent me to believe that it's possible that Sacramento was not uh, like, well, I mean, Sacramento for a lot of people isn't the right situation. And we don't know. You don't uh, say. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we don't know if like, again, if, if two or three or like of the other four guys, if someone else said no, on that list it's always possible and um and so when we get to uh 
you know, when we get to Mike Brown, I have been told I have done like my homework here. And in the right circumstance with the right salary structure, the right years, the right dedication to winning, that he is willing to take the Sacramento Kings job, according to sources that I've spoken to. Hey, James. Yeah. Money talks. (laughs) And let me Uh, hire any staff I want. Yes. Like Like, there's going to be stipulations. Let's rewind. Luke Walton wanted Brian Shaw. He was told definitively no by by Vladi Divac that they just didn't have the money to give him more than a million dollars to be the head coach or the associate head coach. So there you go. Then they go out and sign Igor Igor Kokoskov to. I, I mean, he had to have got something. I mean, that's... he did, but what Igor Kokoskov was capable of getting and what they were willing to let Brian Shaw get as an assistant head, as an as an associate head coach were two different things. So interesting. Um, the organizations, yeah. the organization will, you know, they if a head coach should be allowed to pick who they want as their coach. I agree. Some of their people, I mean, and look, the organization can say here's your your range of compensation that we're comfortable with. And you might have people on your staff that in a perfect world, hey, I'm coming to Sacramento, but I need X, Y, and Z for not only myself, but for this guy, this guy, and this guy. And sometimes that's part of the process that takes people out of the running. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And let's not forget, there's obviously people that are thought very highly in the current staff that their contracts haven't expired yet that the organization will definitely push for. So, you know, Mike Brown is just like any other head coach, regardless of now you take the experience, whatever. Every head coach should have these things part of the negotiations. And so should Mark Jackson and so should Steve Clifford, all of them. So that's why, um, you know, things could get really interesting. But this is where you're at. And if you're willing to give these guys carte blanche or whatever they want, that's how you end up with a, a very good coach sitting on your bench. Okay. So, Sean, we've got um, – we'll have another pod on Thursday. Uh, I don't think this thing will be settled by Thursday because it, no. it looks like uh, – Mike Brown is going to, he is in Memphis um, coaching with the Warriors on Wednesday night. So if he does fly to Sacramento, uh, we've heard again, this could be a combination of San Francisco and Sacramento. Like he could do some interviews, like it would be quicker here in Sacramento so he can get back to his gig uh, with the Warriors. Um, Are you handicapping this? If you were to guess right now uh, with the information that you have now, who's the head coach of the Kings? Uh, I don't feel like I've got a tighter grasp other than the fact that the list of seven is now at three. So, um, you know, the guy I liked all along was still Mike Brown. Um, I would think he makes the most sense for this organization. Um, I agree. I, I would definitely put that over, over. And again, I know I'd mentioned it last week, Steve Clifford and you, you know, I, I look, I like Steve Clifford. I don't think he's in the range of Mike Brown. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he's added to the bench. Um, but I will say the thing that gives me the most pause with Steve Clifford, with all due respect to him, is the health concerns that he's had in two places. He had a couple scares. Uh, I've been told one of them was rather mild. But um, those things those things worry me. you know. And it's not yeah. any easier to be an assistant or an associate head coach as opposed to the head coach. It's not like that that gives you any less pressure or stress. 
uh, although it probably should. But then again, you've got two of the most OCD people in the world, uh, you know, especially if they join forces. So, um, the Mark Jackson Fox, one, you wanted structure. We yeah. got you structure. <laughs> I think it becomes interesting too, James, after you go through these interviews. And I think by Friday, they'll, they'll wrap up the interviews. It'd be interesting to see if they go into the weekend. And at what point do they start, you know, Demonis Sabonis famously said he'd like to be kind of a part of it and make his, make his, uh, thoughts known and I think there are some players that would like to do the same others much like De'Aaron who's going to be like okay you just wake me up when September rolls around that's right <laughs> wake me up when September ends Green Day um, and I, I you know it'll be interesting to kind of see what what other kind of feedback that they get along the way um, it, like you said process driven James and I think by maybe this weekend we might have some closure might have some answers I think this is going to go into next week probably um, could be wrong, but uh, I'm not, I'm I would be very surprised. I really will. I got to say this again. I would be very surprised with uh, with Mark Jackson and just what's what's the the noise that surrounds him. To me, it just doesn't uh, make a ton of sense compare when you especially when you compare the other two. Um, but I wonder, James, if you lose one of these guys, let's say you lose Mike Brown, right? Yeah. At that point, do you? try to open it up again? Do you just go, okay, let me pick between Steve Clifford and, and Mark Jackson. Do you maybe kick some tires on somebody else? I don't know. But um, to me, it's Mark, it's Mark, it's Mike Brown. And then like, what's the Oakland A's thing? 50 feet of crap. And then there's the other, then the, there's everyone. There's, there's a, like, I almost go Mike Brown and then maybe someone else. And then it's like, okay, now pick between Mark Jackson and Steve Clifford, whichever one you want. Um, to me, it's. I don't think you can really look past Mike Brown. I think he's the the gold star of the three. I just still don't know if it's an A higher, but it would be definitely higher than the other two. Yeah, I would like to hire. Um, and the thing in Oakland now is we have we have feral cats. If you want a cat, come to the Coliseum. We've got enough feral cats for all twenty four hundred and fifty five people that showed up on uh, on Monday evening to watch the A's play. Uh, come for a game, get a free cat. Sorry if it bites you or claws you or gives you some sort of disease. Chance at a foul ball has to be like 70%. Yeah, I kind of want to go to a game just because I've never got a foul ball or a home run. Just like just go stand out there in the left field bleachers all by yourself and hope that somebody hits a home run. And, you know, and Tony Kemp, it won't be Tony Kemp. He'll just fly out to shallow. Shots fired. Yeah. Willie Mays Hayes going on right there. Jeez, uh, just hit the ball on the ground, bro. Uh, all right, so um, we're going to jump back in. Uh, I'm going to jump back in with Brendan. Um, but, th- Sean, thanks for joining me so late. Uh, this is – it's good. I, you know, we want to make sure that you're part of the team, and sometimes we're going to have to do some uh, some different things like juggle and uh, juggle schedules and everything else. So uh, thanks for dropping in. You get out of – Tuesday over reactions. Thank God. Thank God. And can I say, uh, yep. Joe Dumar's chief strategy officer, his strategy was chief among them declining interview requests. His strategy was to avoid Sean and I. Hey, guys. That's all we got. We, I, I think he great said to hello to twice. Yeah. No, it was great to talk to in passing. He'd never really stop. <laughs> never stopped. Just never talking. talked to us. Joe, we hardly knew you. Joe, we hardly knew you. All right, uh, let's get back to uh, to me and Brendan 
on the other side, which is going to be weird, but it'll be me and Brendan, just a very similar setup here. It'll just say Brendan across the bottom. Hi, Brendan. Hi, Brendan. All right. Uh, Have a good night, Sean. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, Brendan, we're back. Um, We now have uh, a little bit more in the conversation with uh, Sean Cunningham. And uh, good stuff. I mean, Sean is a wealth of knowledge. He really does feel like that there's a possibility for another candidate, even though I, I really don't think that that's where this thing is heading. I think we'll probably have a head coach by the end of the weekend, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. Um, and uh, we'll have to figure out how that's going to happen, especially if it's a coach that uh, that is already in the middle of a playoff series and you got to figure out if they can get to Sacramento for one of these interviews, uh, one of these uh, press conferences. Um, it's funny because you asked me about this specific thing, like, well, what happens? You know, and to be honest, the Kings have never hired a coach that was in the playoffs, like while they're out of the playoffs and they usually hire a coach pretty quickly. And I think it's intriguing to see what would happen. I don't think the Kings would wait for a full fledged press conference. I think they would do it uh, during a break in the action. Uh, But I, I still think it's a good question. And then, you know, the next question is like assistance and all that stuff, like, I think it, it's it's pretty cool to see how this thing might lay out here in the next like week or two. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting and a lot of educating myself on even more people. So <laughs> it's quite the process, James, let me tell you. Um, can I take us to – I struggle to get my voice deeper here. I'm not going to lie. The business of basketball. The, come on, man. <laughs> it's unnatural for me, James. The business of basketball. <laughs> Uh, go ahead. Let's let's hear. What do you got for me, Brennan Nunez, when it comes to the business of basketball? You've seen a lot of coaching searches. Yep. What is the standout experience throughout all of these coaching experience uh, searches? Is there maybe not just one? If you have a couple or anything like that, that it was just such a memorable scenario. And then I have a part two for you after. Okay, the biggest standout. Okay, the, I mean it's very clear. The biggest standout, and it plays into this conversation. Um, I watch Vlade Divac have like the most exhaustive search. Like it was grueling. It was like three weeks of of interviews, and and it didn't even happen like nearly as quick as this. Like right after the season, it felt like they were taking this. Um, I don't know, like almost like Vlade was on a walkabout and was like, he he became like grasshopper and was like roaming the earth looking for the right fit for his coach. And he had interviewed like 12 people. And of those 12 people, it was like six people had come in like twice or three times. He just like, it, it was almost like um, a guy who has like a really big, a company credit card and wants to expense a whole bunch of dinners. And so he just kept having like really, really cool dinners with people. And it just kept going and going and we kept hearing more names and it just kept getting, it was so exhaustive. And then out of nowhere on like a Friday, like it kind of broke, Hey, Dave Yeager might be willing to leave the Memphis Grizzlies. 
by Saturday morning, Dave was in Sacramento. By Sunday morning, he had a contract and was the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, to all of my knowledge at that time, and even to this day, like that was maybe like 20% Vlade and like 80% other people within the organization who were able to figure that situation out quickly. And of course, uh, Dave's agent played a part in everything else because Dave was the lowest paid coach in the NBA and was looking for a better paying option, got out of the last year of his contract in Memphis and literally was a head coach in Sacramento, like within 48 hours. That was just mind boggling. My, like all of it, like, like on a Monday we had a press conference and you're like, what in the world just happened? What Mm -hmm. in the world just happened? Like, wild i can only imagine yeah i mean we're we've researched six different candidates and if there was one to come out of nowhere and just snatch it up that quickly yeah what is what will stand out to you about this coaching search not completed yet obviously but as like the memorable is there any outlier to this coaching search to you might be no, I think when when we got the original list of seven and I looked at the list of seven, I thought to myself, okay, I dig the three young guys. There are three like older candidates and then one in the middle. And so it's almost like uh, Goldilocks and the three bears, right? It's too big. It's too little. It, it, this one's just right. And... um you know, I think right in the beginning, if you looked, so what is it, uh, mean, right? So we have average, we have mean, and we have mean, mean mode, and uh, <laughs> mean, median, and mode. Mean, median, and mode. If you look at it and you place them all on the board by age, and then you circle the one in the middle, that's mm. was it was probably the right choice the whole time. That's what stood out that Mike Brown spent 13 years as an assistant in the, in the NBA. He's led his, his win percentage is like off the charts. Like he's he's got a 600 plus win percentage. Yeah, like 61.6%. Okay. And why don't you tell me what Luke Walton's career uh, well, Sacramento win percentage is, right? You you got it there. I know you do. I do. Uh 40.8 or that 20. is, I'm sorry, that's including L.A. So no, Just Sacramento. Yeah. Just Sacramento. He went, uh, it's barely over 40. 43 in each of the first two years. 35 4-2-2. in 4-2-2 in Sacramento. Uh, .422. Um, here's the deal. Luke Walton has the second best win percentage in Sacramento Kings, in the Sacramento era of Kings basketball. I always hated second, that stat, James. Second highest win percentage. And people are looking at Mike Brown and saying, oh, I don't know. What's Mike Brown's win percentage? 61.6. 61.6. So 61% of the time, almost 62% of the time, his teams win. That seems like a no-brainer. And, and if we look at all of it and we say, okay, 
he became available. He he's you know like he he hasn't coached in as a head coach for six years. He just spent six years picking up two championship rings. He's got the, what the number two, number three rated defense in the NBA right now with Steph Curry and a a Clay Thompson who hasn't played in two years. Draymond Green missing half the season. Like he still has that team in the top of the top in defensive rating. Like this really is an exceptional coach, and I think that we want to parcel over all the seven and who we like best. And I still love Will Hardy as an option. I still love Darvin Ham as an option. I could get on board with Charles Lee. Like the real candidate in this search was always Mike Brown. And if Mike Brown was willing to take this job, like he, I don't know that there's a better coach out there. Terry Stotts isn't a better coach. He's not like, I, sorry. Like, and Quinn Snyder probably won't become available. And even if he does, he's coming off hip, hip replacement surgery now. Um, like, I don't know that there's a better coach that's available. And people, you know, like Sean in the, the thing before, he, does, he doesn't think that there's an A-list coach on this. I think Mike Brown is an A-list coach. I think he could be. I think it's a little hard to gauge to an extent. I, I think, like, his run in Cleveland – was really impressive um, the first time around with with LeBron and just like the defense that he was able to make on those teams, but also um, the offense of those teams, like sixth in 2009-10, fourth in the year prior, um, and they were not great before that. But he also did pretty well for himself on the offensive end in Cleveland. Like I think that there's definitely the – Brown obviously has a really long history, a great resume. Um, don't know that we've seen him with a team that doesn't have stars outside of that 13-14 Cleveland. That's true. And that's just like a complicated season within himself, within itself, like bringing him back because uh, LeBron's going to be a free, a free agent the next year. And, yeah, I don't know, complicated situation there to only last one season and being brought back after he was fired prior. And the owner talks about how he felt like it was a mistake. Weird, weird situation there. So I think the same way that, like, we can look at Clifford and it's like, oh, well, we don't know what he could do with a good roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the opposite for Brown. We don't know what he would do with a subpar roster. Um, and I think that'll be interesting. But, you know, I, I think that... What he got out of his teams was close to the most you could get, probably. Maybe that Lakers year. Um, there's a lot of complications surrounding that one as well. I don't know. I guess there's going to be complications surrounding the Kings job too, as always, right? But I think that Brown, I, I understand the reason where it's, I, I don't know that I'm on he's an A-list coach. I think he could be, um, but going to have to see how he works with this sort of roster um, at very least. He has an extended resume that does show promise and doesn't come with any extra baggage. Seems to be pretty well liked throughout the league. He does. He seems okay. So I'll ask you the same. What have you learned from this? Because this is your first coaching search. Um. Oh God. Um. Never too high. Never too low. Don't fall yeah. in love with a candidate. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And I think the um, aspect of like. You know, when we first talked about it, it's like, okay, we like all these, we like the younger candidates, but realistically, probably not something that the Kings would do. 
So I think it was telling that like uh, the guys that we thought of as like would probably be the most realistic did end up moving on. So yeah, probably an aspect of don't talk myself into something and get all too excited because now Will Hardy's going to be the head coach of I don't know some place that has Tyrese Halliburton in four years and it's going to be the most horrible thing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, excellent. But, but it is, you know, d- despite like maybe getting myself excited for someone and then it not end up happening, like you gain a lot of knowledge about these guys that are bound to come up at some point later. Um, yeah, some random interview I had with an assistant coach like years ago turns out to be somebody that like, could yeah that somehow ties into this coaching search like there's so many different times where just gaining this knowledge ends up helping you so certainly not mad but quite the process just for it all to seemingly get thrown out the window pretty quickly here yeah i've enjoyed watching you learn in the process too it's fun it's fun to watch you like okay so what happens next with this and it's like okay well this is typically what happens and it's like okay so why this happens it's like okay no it's good i mean that's that's the key to brendan is he asks all kinds of really cool questions all the time um all right so we've dragged this thing out uh we added a 30 minute segment with uh mr sean cunningham and uh and it's going to be super late getting out uh i know people are asking on twitter sorry i'll put out a tweet here in a sec but uh uh life is what happens when you're making other plans and today I uh, I got bamboozled by a four hour window and a guy was too late two hours late to the four hour window, and uh, my refrigerator still is not running, so I do not have to go catch it. Um, Brendan, do you have any final thoughts? Monty McNair could not fix the fridge. No, I do not have any final thoughts, James. I'm interested to. I want this to be over. Weirdly, <laughs> I I just want to know um, who it's going to be and. I'm trying to rewatch all the games of, that Fox and Sabonis played together and work on like ideas on how they could work offensively, defensively, and I just can't right now. So I'm ready for this decision to be made. I want to. I agree. Look at basketball. Yeah, I'll tell everyone this. I was like really, really deep into the final mock 1.0 on Saturday when I got a like a heads up that things were shifting and that we're gonna someone was going to ruin my Saturday with a bunch of a narrowing of the coaching search. Um, and so we're just like, we're in suspended animation when it comes to draft. Um, but I'm going to guess that we're going to have one more really good conversation on Thursday regarding this stuff. Uh, we'll have one more really good conversation on Tuesday after a coach is named and we have a press conference. Um, and then will shift gears fully into draft and free agency and the off season. So it should be really interesting. Yeah. Has this time of year been like as expected for you when it came to busyness workload or. Yeah, I've been busy. Like, uh, you know, like not only did we have the thing on Saturday where I've got to drop everything and start writing. Um, but you know, you need to write the next day. What does this all mean? And that's, you know, where I rank the coaching search and, um, you know, again, like people can think that I, I favor one candidate so much over another or that I dislike somebody. And at the end of the day, I just want the Kings to get it right because I would like to cover successful basketball. 
and watching the same thing unfold again and again and again isn't fun. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I've had a fraction of these experiences, and I'm like, always like, man, at some point they have to get it right here. And then I'm like, damn, James no, done for 13 years. What if? No, they don't. <laughs> They don't have to get it right because this will be my ninth head coach in 13 years, regardless of who it is. I don't care who it is. Ninth. That's crazy talk, Brendan. It's crazy. Ninth head coach and probably 30 assistants, different assistants. Like that many. Like Truck Robinson. Like I like literally <laughs> Truck Robinson. I I was an assistant coach. Um, who's the other guy that uh, um, like there was an assistant that the Kings had um, uh, who was it under Uh, hang on I got it there's been a lot a lot a lot of different assistants Clifford Ray Clifford Ray was an assistant with the Sacramento Kings right Clifford Ray, you can look this up. We're not going to extend the podcast any longer. You can look it up. Two things that Clifford Ray did in his outside of playing in the NBA and and being an assistant for a long time. He saved a dolphin by reaching into its second stomach where a bolt, the dolphin had swallowed <laughs> a bolt at SeaWorld. Well, um... And because he has a seven foot eight wingspan, he reached <laughs> all the way down into his stomach and found the bolt and pulled it out with it and the dolphins still recognized him for years and years after. <laughs> that's number uh, one clifford ray also i don't know that there can be a number two after that it's even better he was saying background on marvin gaye's what's going on album <laughs> like when you what's he doing right now what's when, he doing right now? i don't know <laughs> what? god bless clifford ray he, he's lived an amazing couple of lives and um, you know, that just, dolphin you know. still thinks about him. Yeah, what? yeah, what? yeah. So, so like I, I think um, when you when you cover a team for this long and you've gone through all of this stuff, um, yeah, he was an assistant from 2012 and 2013. So that would put him, I think, with Key Smart. Um, I believe with Key Smart. Um, yeah, you get to run into some amazing people who have done amazing things in life. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so God bless him. Clifford Ray, I know you're out there somewhere. You uh, type Clifford Ray, and it auto-populates Saves Dolphin. Yeah. Saves Dolphin. There you go. You can watch the whole story. Ryan Yamamoto even did a story at uh, News 10 um, where he's narrating and, like, yeah, going through it and talking to Clifford Ray about the story. Incredible, incredible, incredible what stuff from many, world? many, many years ago. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. Make sure to... Give us a thumbs up. Make sure to give us a subscription. Uh, make sure to leave comments and laugh because Brennan has never watched There's Something About Mary, uh, which yeah. he pr- should probably do tonight. Tonight. Just find it somewhere. It's on. You can stream it somewhere. Um, and I'll just try to figure out which one's Alvin Gentry and which one's Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, get something back to like you. that. Uh, so become a premium subscriber to the P- King's Beat and, and uh, support what we're doing here. Uh, We're doing good work, and uh, we hope you're entertained and uh, informed and getting the best knowledge that you possibly can about the Sacramento Kings. Um, We'll see you uh, on Thursday. 
Sean Cunningham should be back with us, and we'll uh, we'll do a, a trio once again uh, because we're going to have more to talk about with this coaching search because it just won't stop. Uh, so for Brendan Nunez from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse podcast, I am James Ham, your Kings insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you on Thursday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.